the biggest thing we learned about the Vikings from their Sunday win, and an early look at their trip to Philly on the big stage for Monday Night Football action. It's all coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene non-stop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's camera. what you gotta do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stick. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota, your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports, which, by the way, you can now find streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire devices. So be sure to look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV and Care 11. And Reg, Vikes 1-0, Monday Night Football on the horizon. It's our first hump day of the NFL season, so plenty of action to dive into. Yeah, man, it, it sucks that we got to wait a whole other day to – get into the Vikings action and then wait a whole other hour because they're the second of a double header on Monday night. But you know what? It's okay. Cause football is back. However we can get it right. Yeah, that's right. Hey, lots to get into, but first remember follow along on the lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button there and on Twitter, give us a follow at locked on M I N. Remember we're a podcast to free and available all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it. We got it. Tons of great choices over there. The Ron Johnson show, the football party and more your one-stop shop with endless Vikings talk with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. All right, to football we go. And how about this, Reg? It's the NFL. We love to overreact. It's only one game, one week. But all of a sudden, your Minnesota Vikings have become the talk of the town after that 23-7 beatdown in A-Rodge and company. Pat McAfee was going nuts about them yesterday on his show. Dan Orvzlowski and Ryan Clark breaking down that Justin Jefferson performance on ESPN. Even Colin Coward, he doubled down saying they're a 12-13 win team. I mean... <laughs> It's almost too much. What are we doing here, Reg? It's too much pressure. The bar's getting raised too high too soon. Yeah, it's funny, though. You know, small sample size. I think, you know, kudos to the Vikings for coming out and doing what they were supposed to do against the, the Packers, which is dominate. They dominated them, Ernie. They, they did what they had to do against those guys. And, and you know, what's funny is, is that lead, you know, is 23-7. We could be talking about an even more impressive game Mm -hmm. If some of those drives didn't stall for field goals instead of uh, touchdowns. And I mean, e that would be even more of an overreaction that we would have this week. I think, you know, it's good to, you know, get this season going to get a little bit more tape on the Vikings to figure out, okay, exactly what are we looking at here? You know, we saw them against the Packers. They were juiced up. They played well against them. But, you know, against some of this other competition, like what can we expect from them? And I think the Eagles game is going to give them a, a pretty good measuring stick of where they are and how they stack up. But, you know, one weekend and you have to like the things that you saw. When there is going to be more tape on the Vikings, then maybe you do see some things that, you know, maybe they have to evolve a little bit. And that's going to be the challenge with KOC. Like, how does he evolve, you know, when – because, you know, with the Rams – 
Sean McVay had to really kind of revitalize, refresh his approach and his system because not that he was getting found out, but some of the things that he was doing was kind of getting a little stale. Maybe it wasn't working like he wanted it to. I mean, you look at that Super Bowl game that they had against the Patriots and they couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. Like the Patriots had their number. And he came back, you know, that next season, the next few seasons, and he really kind of revitalized some things, you know, got Jared Goff out of there, revamped the offense again uh, with Matthew Stafford. They go to the Super Bowl and win it. So, like, how can Kevin O'Connell continue to evolve this offense? We see all the window dressing. We see all the pre-snap motions and things like that. What is going to be different? Because I think we all kind of think and believe that they have not really shown their full cards as an offense, especially being that, you know, there was there was a heavy emphasis on J.J. and not some of the other guys. I know Kirk is going to spread the ball around a little bit more and other guys are going to eat and get theirs as well. What does that look like? It remains to be seen. Yeah, good point, by the way. McVeigh, three points the Rams scored against the Patriots. Remember, pretty boring, low-scoring Super Bowl, 13-3. to He learned from, he grew from, and then again came back and ultimately hoisted the Lombardi Trophy of his own. CBS Sports dropped an article this morning highlighting one big thing we learned from each NFL team following week one. For the Vikings, mm-hmm. it was... Who else? Justin Jefferson getting all the love, noting he will indeed be in that Cooper Cup role and he will indeed feast this year under KOC. Not much of a big swing there from Jeff Kerr of CBS. I think we all knew that already, but I respect it. Let's dive in a little bit deeper, though, here, Reg. Tell me one thing you learned about the Vikings that you can now say with supreme confidence after Sunday's win. The one thing that I learned from this iteration of the Vikings and it's probably the most breaking news that I can give okay you ready you listening Luke you listening Mr. Spinman this is not your Mike Zimmer Vikings Mm. how Mm. about that how Mm. about that how about that this team just (laughs) this team just looks different It, it it has a little bit of a different juice about it you know um Chris Long one of our our colleagues here in the market, he posed a question on Twitter asking if Clint Kubiak was held back from really kind of like driving this sports car as opposed to kind of driving a hoopty on offense. It's a fair question. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Mm -hmm. It's a fair question. You know what Mike Zimmer's emphasis was? running the football he's gonna pound it like that that's gonna be the identity of this team and you know you come out on sunday and there were so many plays where kirk was out and empty it's like whoa like what is this like this is this is incredible look at this you know and it that it didn't necessarily mean that it was all receivers out there you know he come out in 11 personnel but he would Make it look different, you know, like maybe Dalvin Cook is out wide or in the slot or, you know, something like that. And he's still finding ways to just manipulate the defense and just kind of throw a lot at them to to make them confused out there. And that's something that we have not seen in recent years. And it and it's funny because like like we said, like not really sure if if that was something that Kubiak could have done, but we don't know. 
because we know that Zimmer had his way of doing things on offense and, and his belief in how things should be run. And so it's kind of refreshing to see the Vikings kind of come up with the times. Like they did a lot of good things last year, you know, with Mike Zimmer's philosophy. So, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily like old, old guard. You know what I mean? Like they were still putting up plenty of points. They were still doing some great things. But it's funny when you have an offensive minded head coach who is up with the times as far as like how the league is going on offense that this team just looked a little different. Like they offer just a little something different than things that we've seen in past years and in recent years with the Vikings and the CBS sports article put out that Justin Jefferson was the most impressive part of, you know, what this team is doing. And you, you understand that from a standpoint that, Jefferson has a lot to offer. And at one point last season, it was like, okay, this guy is a top flight receiver in this league and he's not really getting the touches or the targets that he should be getting so that this offense can be successful. And you kind of saw it in week one <laughs> this season. They're like, look, we know who our playmakers are. We're going to put the ball in their hands. Really, we're going to put the ball in his hands, talking about Justin Jefferson and watch him work. Because what we've seen in the past is when you get the ball in Justin Jefferson's hands, great things happen for this football team. We saw that happen in week one, and that was something that we, I think, are looking forward to seeing moving forward. I just, it's interesting. Green Bay just didn't seem content to cover J.J. at all. I want to know, like, what it looks like when they start to maybe double when they chip him, when they, you know, start to do some things to make things difficult. But what we saw from Justin Jefferson last season is it didn't necessarily seem to matter because last season, even when the Vikings were kind of on record that, hey, we're going to make an extra effort to get J.J. more involved early and often, that really didn't seem to stop much. Yeah, a lot of good points there, Reg. The amount of times they went out four or five wide, empty backfield, I think has already surpassed mm -hmm. what they did last year with Mike Zimmer. <laughs> Mike Zimmer at home, at his ranch, watching that game, head's about to pop off his body, just going nuts. The one thing I learned Sunday, just kind of stemming off what you said with JJ in this offense, it was Kirk Cousins. He's got this KOC playbook down already. He didn't need the three or four weeks to get acclimated once the bullets started flying. No preseason, no problem. It's clear they worked their butts off behind the scenes during training camp and practice mm -hmm. with the new verbiage, the new concepts, etc. Cousins just clearly has a firm grasp on this new system. And he came out and just buried that notion that this offense is going to need a few games to get clicking because it's a brand new system. It's a whole new world for a quarterback specifically. They weren't perfect by any means. They left some meat on the bone a little bit. You mentioned it. Could have scored more than 23 points. Could have been a bigger blowout. They're going to continue to fine-tune some things for sure. But my counterpoint to that is KOC hasn't even came close to throwing out all his cards on the table yet. He's still got plenty mm -hmm. of tricks up his sleeve. And as time goes on, I expect to see a lot more men in motion, a lot more window dressing pre snap. I expect Kirk to start spreading the ball around. Defenders decide, all right, enough's enough. 
Time to dedicate two guys on JJ at all times, if not even three. That's fine. I like my chances here with Thielen, Osborne, Irv, even Cook out of the backfield one-on-one. -on -one. The second thing I learned is that KOC knows what he's doing. He may be young. Mm. It may be his first game coach last Sunday, but he's been in the shadows here preparing to be a head coach someday for years and years. He comes from arguably the best coaching tree the NFL has seen over the last decade or two. So he's been taught very well. And I just think that the Vikes, Ziggy, Mark, Quasey, they just absolutely nailed this pick and hiring the guy they hope can lead them to the promised land someday. I mean, proof's in the pudding, by the way. Check out some of these names from the school of McVeigh, we'll call it. Zach Taylor just went to the Super Bowl with the Bengals. Matt LaFleur, we know his record, 36-10 and 10 record. I mean, come on. Brandon Staley, Chargers are a favorite to go deep in the playoffs this year because of what he did last season with Justin Herbert. I mean, stop it, Rick. That's unbelievable coaching tree top to bottom. Now you've got yeah. KOC who, I mean, time will tell. It's one game. But with his weapons, could be the best of the bunch. And the relationship between the head coach and the quarterback, it's just never been more vital in today's NFL. And you saw Kirk's just quick decision-making Sunday. I'm just really yeah. impressed with his comfort, the confidence in this new offense, and just the relationship starting to form with KOC. Back to the article real quick here. For the Eagles, CBS noted that Jalen Hurts, he needs to be considered the real deal. Last year, the Eagles mm -hmm. won a lot of games in spite of him. This year, they're going to win a lot of games because of him. Another year under his belt. And so you just can't underemphasize as well the difference having that big-bodied playmaker like A.J. Brown to throw to as just a safety blanket for a young quarterback. Eagles let the Lions back in at the end, but... It was like for 53 of the 60 minutes, Eagles controlled that game entirely. They win 38-35. When you look at this squad on paper, the Eagles, that is, from what you saw versus Detroit, what scares you the most when it comes to the Vikings starting a game plan today for them this week? Jalen Hurts. He's yeah. a scary dude. You know, yeah. like he is the guy that kind of has a lot of pressure on him this season because, you know, they pretty much gave him the keys to a luxury sports car and he's got to drive it. And, you know, what's funny is like he passed for, you know, what was it? 243 yards, which is not, you know, earth shattering right. or anything, but, yeah. but then he runs for 90 yards and a touchdown. And it's like, look, you had Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is not the type of guy that he, once was that you had to really like defend him as a runner and a passer, but now you get to week two and Jalen Hurts is that guy. Like not only do you have to, you know, uh, try to watch out for him, you know, as a passer, but you got to play contain because this dude can run it and, and he's dynamic as a runner as well. And so I'm, I'm afraid of that because when you mix in his ability to extend plays make plays with his legs. And then you look at Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown. Like, dude, that is scary, man. Like, look, the, the Packers were one thing. You didn't necessarily have to worry about, you know, Devontae Adams and, you know, some of the, the pillars that they've had. Alan Lazard, he was out as well. But, like, the Eagles actually have some top-flight weapons, and I think they are going to put a lot of pressure on that Vikings defense. And look, last week we we had a good showing from that defensive unit. This week is going to be a test. Like, who do you put Patrick Peterson on? 
Cam Dantzler, who do you put him on? You you kind of hate that Andrew Booth Jr. was injured in that in that first game because you kind of need his speed as well. You know, you got Shandon Sullivan out there. You got a Caleb Evans as a rookie. Not really sure what he's going to bring. Like, they are going to put a lot of pressure on that secondary. And when you're talking about Jalen Hurts running around, extending plays, like now you're going to have to have business decisions out there. Like, do you come down and, and play him or do you continue to, you know, keep contained on your receivers? And, and you know, when he's extending plays, now receivers are breaking off of their routes. And, you know, it, it, it seems like chaos to defend. But it all starts with Hurts, and you just hope that he doesn't hurt you too much. Dad I see what you did right there, Reg. I like that. Yeah. Hey, important, yeah. though, to remember, you're right. I'm glad you brought that up. Alan Lazard out their number one wideout. David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, arguably their top two offensive linemen out. And then they lose a third guy in the middle of the game in John Runyon. Eagles, mm -hmm. by the way, flip the script. Maybe a top five offensive line in the league right now. So important to remember that. When I look at this matchup, what worries me the most, how do you stop A.J. Brown? We knew going in. Pat P maybe lost a little bit of a step. Cam Dantzler, solid number two cornerback, but he's not that lockdown, shutdown, put him on an island cornerback. Not yet anyways in his career. How do you find mm -hmm. a way to slow A.J. Brown down when you simply just don't have a true number one shutdown cornerback? I really don't know. I expect to see Lewis Seen on the field for the first time in week two, and I'm mm -hmm. very, very interested to see how they deploy these three safeties because one of the three is going to need to help out in coverage on A.J. Brown every single snap, whether that's Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, or Lewis Seen. I'm not sure yet, but clouding some coverage towards his side of the ball and just forcing guys like Devontae Smith, who had zero catches against Detroit, surprisingly, to make the splash plays, to make the first downs is going to be a huge necessity. If you want to go in to Philly on Monday Night Football and steal one on the road against just a really, really solid Eagles team. Last one here real yeah. quick. I just mentioned Lewis Seen. He's poised to make his first professional debut on the big stage. Who's another guy, offense or defense, don't matter. We didn't hear their name called a ton versus the Packers for whatever reason that may be, that you think will have a bigger role and just a chance to be more of a playmaker in week two. I go Swervo, Swervo, yeah. Irv Smith. Mm -hmm. um, he really didn't have much of an impact at all in that week one game. Kirk Cousins came out throwing it to Johnny Munt. Like, I was like, wait, what? I thought this guy was just supposed to be like a blocking tight end or something. He threw a couple passes to Ben Ellison. You're like, wait, wh what? What is going on out here? Like, I, I don't have that on my Vikings Viking bingo have... card today. What, yeah. what, what's happening? I'm like, the Vikings didn't didn't have uh, any tight ends behind Irv. Like, that was the that was the book. I read it. I wrote the book. I think that was it. <laughs> that was they great. They needed tight end depth. They needed tight end depth behind Irv Smith. Because they're in trouble, and all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, well, I guess, I guess Johnny Munt's not that bad. I guess, I guess, I guess Ellison can, you know, be serviceable. I guess." But when you have a dynamic playmaker like Irv Smith Jr., and we know how much Kirk loves throwing to his tight ends, mm -hmm. I think that's going to be a, a matchup. You know, if if they're content, I'm looking at the the Eagles' uh, depth chart here on defense, and you know, at cornerback position, you got James Bradbury, who made plays last week. Big play slay. You may say, okay, he's not the same guy that he was. But then they went out and, and made a trade for 
C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who is a, a top-flight safety in this league as well. Like, this defense is going to look at what the Packers did, and they're like, look, we're not going to do that, okay? So if they are content to kind of take away some of the weaponry, and we know that, you know, like we said, Kevin O'Connell did not show all of his cards in that game, so he has some more tricks up his sleeve to get some guys open. But if things get a little bit more difficult, I think that's when you see Kirk Cousins kind of go to his tight ends a little bit more, and Irv Smith is the guy that can make plays more than any of the guys on that unit. So I think this is the game that we see Irv really kind of take a step. Yo, I'm with you. Week one in the NFL, every season always tends to be a little fluky here and there. JJ going to get a lot mm -hmm. of attention now. We know what Thielen provides, but KJ and Irv, I think, are going to have a lot more opportunities, make some splash plays, again, help move the football down the field from what we saw in week one. Look, the Packers just couldn't stop JJ, and you can't blame Kirk for just continuing to go back to that well. Make them prove they can stop you. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep picking you apart. So JJ is going to get the first crack on Monday. Monday night, but once they find out that he's not getting the same wide open shots the Packers allowed, I just think KJ Osborne and the tight end, whoever that may be, assuming it's more Irv this week and week two as his legs mm -hmm. start to get a little bit fresher, I think they're going to get involved so they can keep pace with Hurts in that Eagles offense. Vikes get to enjoy this win for that extra day again as they gear up for the primetime showdown in Philadelphia versus the Eagles Monday night. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be here all week to break all of it down. Real quick, how about yesterday? Mm -hmm. <laughs> how about yesterday? I'm looking at this depth chart, and it has a new name on here on defense. How about, you know, the, the Eagles signing Janarius Robinson off the What's practice up with squad that? from the Vikings? Pulling the Bill Belichick? Look yeah, at that. I mean, you, how about that? You know why they brought him in. I mean, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're just trying to pick a little bit of defensive schematics or even offensively, too. Trying to pick his wow. brain a little bit. Don't expect wow. him to play. Don't expect him to start. He's on the practice no. squad. Yeah, just a classic little Bill Belichick cat and mouse chess game going on there for the wow. Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, we're going to have to break that down a little bit more in depth tomorrow. Plenty more Vikings and NFL talk to get into. Coming up next, we're talking about which Minnesota Twins free agents should be brought back in 20. 2023. But first, with their win over the Packers, Vikings jumped to fourth best odds in the NFC to get to the Super Bowl. You can check those odds out and more with Bet Online, betonline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games, stats, news, and info. You want it. They got it. Bet Online makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to betonline.net today to learn more. That's betonline.net where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day in the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts and drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel, hit the subscribe button, leave us a comment, let us know what you think. All right, to baseball we go. Twins, oh my God, Reg, we got one, baby. Let's go. We're back, baby. Don't write them <laughs> off quite yet, folks. Oh Joe Ryan with the pitching masterclass. 
It's got a no-no going through seven when he gets pulled. Nine Ks on the night. Ring him up, sit him down. Giovanni Moran comes in, keeps the no-hitter alive into the ninth, then lets up three runs. Not enough, though. Twins win 6-3. They needed it in the worst way. Cleveland wins. Chicago wins. Twins still five games back in the Central. Reg, before we get into our free agent topic of choice here, I got to ask, were you screaming at the TV like I was when Rocco pulled Joe Ryan in the middle of a no-hitter? Or are you a little bit more even-keeled when it comes to that? And you can see the method behind the madness. All right. So I was talking to a guy on Twitter last night. Mm -hmm. And look, I understand the frustration. He's a young guy. He's only a rookie. You know, let him go out there and pitch. Let him, you know, try to make some history because these are things that, that never really happen that often. Like, I get all of that. I have never seen a fan base with all that the Twins have been through over the last week and a half, really. I've never seen a fan base more upset with the Twins win that I saw last night. Like, I just haven't seen that. And it's like, look, they got the win, y'all. Like, I get it, but, like, they, they won. Like, they needed that. You know, they, they got a chance to sweep the Royals this week. Like, the last time they played the Royals last month is literally a month ago. They did sweep them. And it was a, a sweep on the way to four straight wins before they started some losing. They need to win. They got the W. That's really all that matters. I am not all that upset. Like, after the game, Rocco was like, look, look, dog, like, he's got to pitch again in five days. So, we it, it's about, you know, preservation. Like, if, if Ryan didn't pitch so many uh, at-bats to foul balls, like, I think it was something like 25 or something like that yesterday. Like, if, if he didn't have so many pitches spoiled and he didn't elongate, like, his – uh, pitch count maybe Rocco does think about putting him out there for a little bit longer but after seven innings he's already at 106 it's like look there there are so many thoughts that pitching longer doesn't necessarily help or hurt you know matters or whatever like I I don't I don't know like I, I think it remains to be seen like talk to the 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 science guys I guess like but Rocco's the analytics guy, and he played up to his analytics. Like, get him out of there, preserve him for the next start. Look, all I know is the longer that you do something, the more fatigued you are, and the more fatigued you are, the the least, uh, the more likely it is that maybe you can get hurt or you can hurt yourself. And Rocco didn't want to put Joe in that situation as a young guy, and I get that. I'm not upset at that. The bullpen had a chance to combine for a no-hitter with Ryan, and that still would have been special. Man, it's kind of tough. He decided to put Moran back out there instead of bringing in Duran, and maybe Duran would have been able to preserve that no-hitter, but mm -hmm. not only did he lose the no-hitter, but he lost the shutout. And you 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 win 6-3 to three after being up 6 nothing to start the inning. It's just like that's... Holy twins, man. Isn't that just like what we've come to expect from them this season? But I'm not that upset. I would have liked to have seen Joe get the no-hitter, but like I understand what they're trying to do here. I understand they need Joe Ryan available and healthy for them to get 
to where they want to be. And Rocco made a business decision. He's not a very popular man in Minnesota this morning or today. And he probably won't be a very popular man over the next few weeks. If they make the playoffs, maybe people will be a little bit more forgiving for that. But, you know, they needed some juice. The no-hitter would have provided some some juice, but doesn't a win provide the same thing? Hey, Rocco, if you haven't learned by now, I mean, he just runs that extremely tight ship when it comes to his pitch yeah. and pitch count. He's taken a lot of heat for it, like you mentioned, by a lot of fans all season. I want to look ahead to the offseason, though, and the Twins have built a really nice, just solid little core of young guys to go off of now. Looking ahead, outside of Correa, Twins just have to make decisions on Dylan Bundy, Gary Sanchez and Miguel Sano. Start with Correa mm. and what the early vibe is. Get in the head of Carlos Correa. What's he thinking? He thought he'd get a better deal this offseason. He didn't. Settles with the Twins. Puts up, honestly, pretty similar numbers he did in Houston. And defensively, I think many experts would say he regressed just a pinch from what they're used to seeing. Does he test the waters and try to make more money somewhere else, knowing full well how the market treated him last year and that you know, he really hasn't done much to warrant a pay raise in 2023. Yeah, I think he does. Because at the end of the day, he's Carlos Correa. You know, he he has that more good brand. behind him. Yeah, mm -hmm. more good behind him than anything. And I think, you know, he probably looks and sees, look, the last time they played the Astros, he went on record and said, like, I see myself playing for the Twins for a long time. And it's like, all right, bucko, like, you say that now, but you don't want these problems. Like, you, you've you been a part of this for a season now. You see how things go with the Twins. Like, you sure? You sure? Like, okay. And I think it's, it's a matter of, like, okay, the Twins did make the investment. Do they do it again? Like, are they content with making the investment again? Because you look at what he did this year, and I don't know. Like, there have been times where you, you've, you've shown flashes, you know, like, you know, you had multiple games with the home run over the last week, and you're just like, okay, like this is the guy that – but then, you know, he he has other games where he comes out, he's maybe one for four, over oh four, something like that, and you're just like, okay, I, I don't know what to think about this guy. I think if he was a little bit more consistent, if he was just lighting it up this season, I think that's when things and decisions have to be made that are a little bit more tough or maybe like it, it makes it a slam dunk that the twins are like oh yeah we whatever the guy's number is we got to keep this guy but i think because of his play this season things are a little bit murky now like i'm like i i would not want to be that twins front office and try to figure out okay do we keep this guy long term or not because now you know with the whole royce lewis injury Maybe you looked at him as the heir apparent. Maybe it's like, okay, let him walk. Let him test the waters. We feel good with who we have back here. Now with the Lewis injury again, you're just like, well, I guess it couldn't hurt. And if Lewis comes back, maybe we can work him in somewhere else. Mm -hmm. Maybe. I don't know. They have a, a tough decision to make. Um, but maybe it's not even a decision that they're forced to make because maybe Correa makes a decision for himself and for them. I don't know how they view the front office that is this situation. Maybe they're a little disappointed or, or feel like he didn't live up to expectations or maybe they want to bring him back. You bring up an interesting point about the pay raise. If you're already paying him 35 mil, 
is there really that big of a difference between 38, 38 and a half, 39 mil, if you really like the guy? So I could see them mm -hmm. possibly, if they want to, if they like him and, and they're willing to do that, if they think he provides enough firepower offensively, leadership, you know, defensively, who knows where Royce Lewis is during his rehab coming back from that ACL injury. They might right. want to keep Carlos Correa on board and maybe they're willing again. I already paying you 35. All right, whatever, 38, 39, not that big of a difference anyways at that point, especially yeah. in baseball with no salary cap. And everyone wants to play for a winner too. I mean, I wonder how much the Twins' performance this season, however they end up, has to do with his decision process. They've got that young core again. They're getting all those guys they traded for at the deadline for at least one more season, Fulmer, Malley, Lopez. And we've seen mm -hmm. how good they can be when fully healthy. Remember, a lot of injuries this year just decimated at certain points during the season and schedule. By the way, real quick, what's the word on Byron Buxton? Haven't heard a peep about this guy in like two weeks. Right. Should I assume that unless they somehow sneak into the playoffs, the Twins will probably just shelf him at this point? What's the latest with him? Have you heard? I haven't heard a thing either. It's funny you mentioned that. It's just, it's kind of mum. They put him on the 10-day. The Mm-hmm. It's been it's been ten. Like, okay, yeah, what, what's the word? Like, what's going man. on? Can we uh can we get an update here? What what's the word now? What's Do I have on? to ask? Like, come on, you know we're all thinking about it. I know. And it's like, look, they're they're doing what they can without them or whatever, but like mm. at the same time, it's like, okay, like I saw, you know, that he could possibly return this week, but we just haven't seen that. That would be a nice boot, a boost, a nice jolt. Uh, for them if he can come back this week, especially with Cleveland on the docket. But yeah, I, he's their emotional leader. He's the soul of this team. Ready to see him back. Sonny Gray on the mound tonight. One game at a time as the Twins try to just scratch and claw their way back into this division race. First pitch, 6.40 p.m. Central Standard Time. Back tomorrow to break it all down. All right, that's a wrap today. Back tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikings, plenty more. Remember, you got to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too. Free and available, all platforms. Subscribe. Drop us a five-star review and take us everywhere on the go. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter, at TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today.